0: Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your genus quoi, to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thoughts, germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Hey, welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. I am joined by Lisa. We're on the Zoom today. We had to switch our platform because I was having some video issues. So if you notice the new look, it's not because we got picked up by a new sponsor and we have new cameras. We just couldn't get our technical difficulties resolved. So, hey, Lise, how's it going?
1: Okay, so I'm a little confused. I thought you had a whole production team there. Why are you doing the nitty-gritty?
0: Well, you sent me to Charlotte. I've been up here by myself since last night. I have nobody here. I'm in a in a, in a studio where there's absolutely nobody else around except for Gizmo, who's still sleeping somewhere. So other than that, I don't know what to do.
1: So you're sitting there with no pants on, just a shirt.
0: <laughs> I actually got dressed today. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So for today's podcast, we have somebody who we actively went out. Most people come to us because we're kind of a big deal. I actively sought her out because I came across her feed I believe it was on Instagram of all places, but I, I saw her feed and she had posted some content around yoga and, you know, I've been exploring yoga for years. And then I met you and you and I started doing yoga exploration together and mostly just passing out from the horrible workouts and poses they make us do. So, um, but her name is Beth Shaw and you can find her on bethshaw.com and I'm going to introduce her again in a minute when she comes on, but she is the founder and CEO of yoga fit. Inc. which is one of the world's largest yoga fitness educational systems and I've had a couple of conversations with her already just leading up to this today but she's an enigmatic young woman Um, she's got a couple of really cool products that she's going to talk about one of which you've done the red light therapy Mm -hmm. yeah you've done that before And so she, I thought she was going to send us one so we could actually podcast in a red light, but I don't see it anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. A little big for FedEx. But she's also, when I was doing some research on her, I found out that she's also. Well, I don't think it's like that. It's sort of like a tent that you set up. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm not really sure if you just put one finger in at a time or you actually sit in the entire red, red tent, but either way.
1: Can can I stop you for a second? All this talk, making it sound really uh, researching. You stalk people but you can say it's research and development,
0: Okay. Yeah, it's research and development.
1: Okay, okay. Or just fine.
0: research, fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, she's also an author, I'll have you know. Uh, I think she's written five books, maybe more, but the books that I was able to find, one of which was of interest, and we're going we're gonna to grill her about it, was Candle Making Genius. Apparently, she makes candles as well, and she has a whole book on it. So I'd like to have a conversation with her about that, because... Um, you know, I recently discovered that we shouldn't be burning yeah. candles. So I want to know, yeah. is she a good candle maker or is she a, she's one of those evil so, candle makers?
1: Yeah, she's multi-hyphenated, doing all the things, all the cool things.
0: And she's written a bunch of other books on yoga fitness. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I also mm-hmm. saw that she has one book called Yoga Fit El Programa de Yoga, which has been translated in Spanish. So she's got a couple of different multi-bilingual books going um, on. There. That's really cool. Have you written any books?
1: I have a hard time reading books. So no, unless it's a
0: picture book. No, I'm just kidding. I've, I've not read any books. So basically we're losers because almost every guest we've had on this podcast has been an author. And there's a deer out in front of the studio window right now. Hey deer. Um, okay. So yoga, you and I've both been doing yoga mm-hmm. together now for roughly mm-hmm. two years.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was scrambling this morning because I, I tried to fit in a little yoga beforehand. Actually, after I talked to you, I did some too. Just I just get not. my mind where it needed to be.
0: Yeah. I, I played soccer last night at 10 o'clock at night. So I felt like I woke up this morning. I was not really prepared to do any yoga. Because <laughs> you couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> no, it's just great. Just... <laughs> All right. So I would like to have a conversation with Beth around yoga itself. I want to understand the, I keep saying the word resurgence. It's not a resurgence. The, is it the insurgent? So sort of, it's just sort of, I keep getting that. I'm struggling with that word this morning the rise of yoga over the last you know 10 years in, in the in western society america i'm just kind of curious where it came from and why because i know it's been around yoga's been around forever yeah. like for yeah. centuries but why is it just one of those typical american things that we latch on and try to over commercialize or is there was there another catalyst that brought yoga into the fray
1: well it, it that's neither here nor there i think most importantly, it's being elevated and people are being educated about it in a whole new way that we never had before. So yeah, there, there are those that are just doing because it's cool on Instagram and they look cute in, a, in a yoga pants. And then there's those that really, really are able to educate us and let us know how it fits in our life and how it changes our life for the better and all the health reasons and why you're doing all these things. So that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Would you be considered a yoga expert now that you've been doing yoga for two years?
1: No. OK, it's like Groundhog Day. I start over each day trying to be flexible, <laughs> but it, it's b- both of us. It's made a difference in our life. And it's the one thing that we make sure that we're doing every day because it's it's got so many benefits. I'm just I'm going to talk about me for a second with with the work that we do on the side because we don't podcast all the time. It's made in the past few years the difference that I'm I'm not having pain that I was having before that I'm able to um, carry all the equipment I need to carry without the problems. And it's, it, it really has been reformative in my life.
0: Mm.
1: That's well, my I, have, I
0: I like that. I have a bunch of different reasons why I do yoga. So we'll talk about that, of course, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's been, uh, it's been, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it a game changer for me. I, I would say that it's been, it has become an instrumental and consistent mm-hmm. part of my lifestyle mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, So anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to go ahead and bring her in now, if that's okay with you. All right. Yes. And I've never had anybody in the waiting room in Zoom, so I don't know if she can actually hear us. Hey Beth, good morning.
2: Good morning.
0: When we're talking about you in the green room, are you able to hear us or is it just silent for you?
2: Silence. See, that's why I don't
0: like Zoom because when we do the onboarding in the beginning of the podcast and our, our other application, you're able to hear what we say about you and sort of kind of jump in when we finish talking about you. But we said all nice things about you.
1: And then you okay, can defend good. yourself if we said anything that was
0: inappropriate. You're like,
2: mm, I heard that.
0: <laughs> so Beth, you've never actually met Lisa. Lisa's my co-host. So say hi to Lisa. Hey,
2: good morning. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Good. Really excited to uh, have a discussion with you. Thank you.
0: So, Beth, we did some research and development in uh, on you. Actually, Lisa calls it stalking. But I, I didn't realize okay. that you had written – I knew you were an author, but I didn't realize that you had written one book in particular. So I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but it says Candle Making Genius. Was that is that you or a different, Beth Shaw? That
2: is not me. No, okay. I've written four <laughs> books, and they all have yoga in the title. <laughs> all
0: right. I thought so, but when I clicked on it, it didn't have any uh, photographs of you. So I wasn't sure, like, maybe she has a side business over here. And she was
2: <laughs> – no, I don't think I, she has I, room for one. I have <laughs> lots of side hustles. Candle making is not one of them.
0: Okay, cool. Well, it's listed under someone named Beth Shaw. And uh, so, anyway, I just let it ask. So, you do have, you, you're founder and CEO of Yoga fit, Inc., which is one of the world's largest yoga, fit, yoga fitness educational systems. Um, You're an author. I found four other books from you, all centered around yoga and fitness and athlete. I'm assuming those are yours. Those Uh, are mine. Yeah. And one of them that was even translated in Spanish. So you're bilingual in in your uh, your books. I don't know if you knew that, but fantastic. Yeah. I
2: actually, um, my first book has been translated into Spanish, French, uh, and Chinese, and Russian. Uh, Yoga Lean has been translated into Italian. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple of things.
0: So the book that I started when I first came across you was the the book on trauma with yoga. I think it was healing yeah. trauma, trauma with yoga. With yoga. Yeah. yeah, And and I I think that's what sparked my interest in you, and why we wanted to have somebody in the yoga world come on. We've we've had a few people who. On the podcast that operate in the holistic world, but none that were specifically yogis and dealt in that space. And so I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation with you because I first got into yoga for because I was dating somebody at the time that took me to her yoga class. And what? And yeah, this is this was about eight years ago, I think. That's and- how
2: it usually happens for men.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, I had never, you know, I sort of knew what yoga was, but I had never had any exposure to yoga. And truthfully speaking, I was sort of blown away. I'm a lifelong athlete, but I was really blown away that as athletic and as fit as I thought I was, I could not maintain any of the postures or the poses or the breath work that they were doing in the class. And I just was fascinated by it. So that's, that was my first introduction to it. Um, fast forward to today. Uh, Lisa and I do yoga together regularly, um, every week as many times as we can. Uh, but one of the pieces that I find most effective for me now, and I, it's this, it's sort of a healing effect for me in terms of just being able to stay in that space and focus on my breath and that meditative aspect of it. And that's what I get the, the biggest benefit from yoga.
2: Yeah, it's, um. It's really amazing what happens when you start practicing, uh, especially with intention, is that you can bring your yoga off of your mat in so many different ways.
1: Oh, I love the way you said that.
0: So one of the things that I, I've I've seen, and it's one of the conversation pieces we'd like to have with you is, especially in the Western world, there seems to be a misinterpretation of yoga, and it's not what you just said. It's generally supposed to be more of, it's more viewed, more of an aerobic activity and, and with, with people in scantily clad onesies. And you see it all over Instagram and you see it all over social media, and I, I'm, this is not a judgment, but... You know, I I started exploring once I really started getting into yoga, I really started exploring some of the Eastern mysticism around yoga, Sadi Guru and some of the other, some of the ancient yogis that brought yoga practice to the, to the Western world. And it was never intended from my understanding to be what it is here in the Western world. But I also see the benefits of that sort of cardio aerobic side of things. I was just curious what your take was on that.
2: Well, you know, uh, yoga was originally brought to the US by Master Vivekananda, and that was in 1871 at a, a conference. And yeah, it, you know, yoga was originally designed to ready the body for meditation in, in its original form. Um, it, it has become definitely a mainstream a workout for people, but I think that people inherently are getting a lot of the other benefits whether they're cognizant of them or not, uh, whether they articulate them or not, sometimes they're just not aware, and then their practice starts changing them. I know for me, uh, you know, asana, physical yoga, was kind of like the gateway drug, in that it opened me up to be uh, receptive to a a lot of other mind-body modalities, Uh, biohacking, uh, plant medicine exploration. So it just, it kind of opened the door for me.
0: So take us down that little journey for a little bit. So you've been doing yoga for how many years?
2: Well, technically I've been doing yoga since I was six years old because I suffered from horrible migraine headaches as a child. And my family was not really invested in what was going on with me. So I was able to cure myself of the migraines by practicing guided um, visualization and meditation techniques that I taught myself at age six. Wow. And yeah, so that, that was my <sighs> early journey into yoga.
0: So basically you're a yoga prodigy.
2: I, I, you know, it must be some past life thing uh-huh. uh, or just some divine spiritual intervention.
0: Well, let's I have t- a serious, t- I'm t- sorry, t- go ahead, I
2: totally believe that
1: because what six year old would, would have that delivered to them and, and, and understand that. So, you know, a destiny of where you're supposed to be right now. That's really cool.
0: Let's have a serious discussion about that piece of it, the, the sort of the, the mysticism around it. It's six years old, you're, you're exposing yourself to yoga of your own volition and, and it sort of brings you into a, a transcendental space, if you will. What, is that even, what does that even feel like to a six-year-old? And in terms of the growth and your exposure to it, where did you take it from there?
2: Um, I think it it probably more took me than I took it. And I've always had a connection to kind of beyond our perceived reality. And, uh, you know, from there, there there are many, many places to journey to. I think uh, it's a powerful journey of self-discovery. Anytime people are practicing because they really just get to view their bodies and their minds, their mental patterns. And it gives a level of self-awareness. It also gives a tremendous amount of body awareness so that you can make much healthier choices in life on on every level.
0: Were you also exploring plant-based healing at six years old?
2: No, I I, I wish. (laughs) It would have saved me a lot of years in therapy and probably some bad relationships (laughs) if I was.
0: What was your first exposure to that? Not that we need to go into that discussion, but I'm very curious about that. It's something that I have a a great interest in and I've not experienced anything like that. So I'm curious about it.
2: Well, I mean, I I started kind of dabbling in plant medicine when I was living in Los Angeles, probably, you know, not too long ago, probably 10 years ago or so I had my first plant medicine ceremony. And, uh, you know, from there I've, I've gone to costa rica to do plant medicine i've gone to berlin to work with a shaman it's something that i'm very interested in very curious about and enjoy doing because again i i like to visit different realms of consciousness and i think plant medicine is an amazing quick route to the self um perhaps for some people past lives past life regressions you know all kinds of magic can really happen. So, I'm I'm a huge fan of plant medicine. I just wish that I had more time to immerse myself in it.
1: I don't feel like a decade ago, though, it was something that was really on the radar for for many people. So, when you're saying you did it recently, but it was ten years ago, yeah, that, that's that's quite an exploration and a journey at that time. I well, feel I think, like it's, you it's know, gotten more trendy now, or something. Oh,
2: definitely has gotten more. Trendy. And, and in LA, you know, people are a little bit more open and receptive to those uh, types of things. And there's more access to them too.
0: I was reading recently that the federal government was giving millions of dollars to Johns Hopkins University to start exploring and doing scientific research on plant based uh, um, ayahuasca, was one of them. Mushrooms was the other. And there was, I think, uh, is it not DDT? Um, DMT, Ket- DMT.
2: Ketamine.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you think that the focus, because generally when the federal government gets involved in things, it's usually there's a fiscal response, there's a fiscal reason for it. Do you do you think, and whether whether it's whether it's cor- corrupt or not, the fact that they're actually exploring this, do you think that there's a positive side effect of that? Or is it just going to be another monetary gain by something that they're involved in?
2: Well, well, I, I think both. And that's an excellent point. Um, you know, I think we've seen that one of the drug companies it might've been Johnson and Johnson came out with a psilocybin pen for people to use psilocybin as uh, an alternative to antidepressants. So, and it, it's, very, you know, can be very powerful for depression. So I, I think there's an upside, of course, you know, let's hope that they don't, at some point, control it all, and and that's your only uh, method of accessing it. Mm-hmm. What
0: what is? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Liz. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. go ahead.
1: I want to talk a little bit about that journey from six years old to where you are today, because you you you've mentioned that you exist to heal the planet. So I kind of want to see that overview of of how that transpired from six years old, and and tell us all the things. <laughs>
2: Well, um, I've been working out uh, in health clubs since 15 years old. And when I was in college, I was stretching after a workout, and it's kind of like the sky parted. And I got a a very clear message that I was supposed to do work in the health and fitness industry. Um, In college, I was involved in a car crash. I got sent to some chiropractors who were really into food combining and kind of started my love of nutrition in, in that respect. And I, I think that I've been fortunate just to be on the path of self-discovery my entire life. And then even more so because I, I run a school of business in this space and that has also uh, made me accountable to keep doing the work so that I can share different things with other people, whether it's holyotropic breath work, um, you know, different, different modes of healing. Uh, so I try to bring my personal experiences back to the network.
0: Tell us a little bit about your business and some of the things that you're doing and how you're involved in the community and how yoga is a part of that. I know that there's fitness is a piece of it. Tell us a little bit about your company and your business. Uh,
2: well, YogaFit is the largest yoga school in North America, if not the world. We've been operating as a school since 1997 uh, we have many different programs now, uh, a lot of trauma-based programs, which I'm very excited about because I think that especially now post-pandemic or wherever we're at in that process, everybody has trauma. If you if you weren't traumatized pre-COVID, you are now. Um, I just got back from a fitness conference in DC, and it was the first live event that I've been to since March of 2020 when I was in India presenting at a yoga festival and people were just talking about, how, well, one, how good it was to be back in person and share that group energy, but also how everyone is is really, they, you know, people don't know anyone who hasn't been affected in some way by this pandemic. And the, the fact of the matter uh, is, I think that the whole world needs to be doing yoga and meditation now and, and developing that type of body awareness that they're going to keep themselves in a healthier state to... Protect their immune system uh, and their mental health, if nothing else.
1: So, how do you spread that message?
2: Uh, we train people. So, we um, pre-COVID, we were running fifteen conferences a year across North America and about a thousand individual weekend trainings worldwide. We've unfortunately had to switch to pretty much all online. Uh, model, but we're still, we're still trying to bring the in-person back. It's not going as quickly as we would like, of course. So we just, my goal is to touch as many lives as possible with yoga and mindfulness and other, uh, mind-body tools, Ayurveda, meditation, and the like. Can you,
1: can you explain to me too, because, you know, March 2020 hits and you've been doing, you're, you're not even on this continent you're you're presenting in other parts of the world how did you make that switch quickly and rapidly and efficiently to figure out how you were still going to get your message out there
2: well i mean i I have to thank my team they really got into action very quickly and within three weeks we switched to an all online model
1: that's unbelievable that's amazing
0: I want to go back to being in India, doing presentations for yoga conferences. What's the perception of a Western woman going to a, a, an Eastern culture to teach and talk about yoga? Just, that's just a general curiosity question.
2: Well, that's, that's actually a really good question because every time I'm in India presenting, I I feel incredibly humbled and blessed to be there. Um, It's, it's an amazing experience to be able to come back to the source and, and teach, you know, the, uh, variations that, that we, we have taken on it. Um, but it's a, it's a very humbling experience. That's all I can say.
0: I can imagine it would be, but I'm wondering if, is it, so you're well-received, you're not looked you're not looked down upon or I'm assuming that kind of goes counterculture to, if you're a yogi, you don't look down upon people, but nonetheless, you uh, would be
2: uh, very surprised at how much judgment goes on in the yoga community.
0: Oh, oh, we've seen it, but those are the people (laughs) that we don't consider to be necessarily yogis. They're just what we call poser yogis. Yeah. But, but I do want to go back to that because, you know, I I know a couple of Indian men and I've worked with a lot of Indian culture, direct Indian culture, and it's a very, it's a very pro-masochistic society where the male sort of very dominant. And there's a, an Indian couple who lives on my street and the woman walks, you know, seven feet behind them as they take neighborhood walks. And so I was just curious when you said that, how you were received as a, not only as a Westerner, but a woman going into a a the the epicenter of yoga. It's just, a, it's an interesting question. So you well, were well-received. I mean, honestly. my
2: classes were well-received and uh, we have a very good relationship with the people who uh, run Parmoth who also put on the Rishikesh Yoga Festival. Uh, so, so in that, um, I, I think that the people who are running that conference have a very global view. They brought in, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton was there, Dr. Michael Beckwith was there. So they, they brought in a lot of Westerners and, and some women too. That's
0: great. So the intersection of yoga and mind, you talked a little bit about meditation and how everyone should be doing yoga. From from your take on it, what are the true benefits of doing yoga from not just from, hey, this is my marketing label, but what what can we as just regular non-yogis and people that you're trying to spread this seed of love of yoga across the planet, what would we benefit from it? Explain it to it from, from your perspective. Well,
2: I think that... Um bringing people into that state of of cosmic consciousness, of oneness, of source energy is very beneficial just in terms of different cultures getting along, uh, in terms of being um, non-judgmental to people in general. And I think also when one finds a sense of peace and calm inside, they're able to radiate that outward And their experience of engaging with other people, with other cultures, with other belief systems is greatly enhanced and you develop a level of self-acceptance. You know, everything that that goes out is mirrored by how much we've done the inner work. So if, if, you know, you can only love to the degree that you love yourself, you can only Accept others to the degree that you've accepted yourself. And yoga gives us uh, self-love, uh, awareness, uh, universal consciousness. So it it changes the individual. That's why I really wish that everybody on the planet right now was doing yoga and meditation. I think um, there'd be a lot less uh, violence and anger and a misunderstanding of, of how people live their lives. And then also just the understanding that everybody really at their core wants to be peaceful, wants to be happy, wants to be calm.
0: But how does it do that scientifically speaking, Break that down. What is it that yoga does? Because you know we're, we live in a Western world where we're looking for instant gratification, pharmaceuticals, we can pop a pill. And scientifically, I know exactly what popping a riddle is going to do to my brain. It's going to shut down the nerve centers. It's going to put op- rush opioids into my brain. It's my central nervous system. It's going to make me feel really calm, reflected, basically numbing me to, to the rest of everything around me. So how does yoga transcend that? why would I as a Western male who, and this is not me, I'm speaking metaphorically, but why would I as a Westerner, a male who can just go down to the pharmacy, get a prescription from my doctor, pop something into my mouth and suddenly feel good. Why would yoga do that same thing? And how does that actually work?
2: Well, I mean, I'm not against medication. I think it's got its time and its place. But when one is practicing, you're working the body, the mind, and the spirit simultaneously. So you're going to get a sense of cohesion there that a pill is not going to give you. Um, That's one big thing that's huge. And you're opening up your energy centers, you're removing uh, physical blockages in the body. Sometimes if you're lucky, you're removing mental blockages in the mind and there's, it's nice. I mean, and look, talk therapy is also great, but you're not using your body during that. <laughs> and you're going to feel probably great when you leave your therapist's office, but chances are those mental patterns are going to come back up. Those neural pathways that, you yeah. know, we wear out like grooves in the road are going to still be present. And if we're doing yoga, it's also very much of a pattern interrupt for the mind, and in that space, you have an opportunity to bring more positive things in.
1: That's a mic drop
0: right there. Yeah. Okay. I've noticed that when I do yoga, one of the things that the benefit that I've gained from it, it's, it's literally what you just said. It's sort of that detachment from whatever else was going on. And, and I noticed that the... Let me back up. So I noticed that when I try to follow and listen to the yogi and I try to watch her and listen to what she's doing and try to mimic her moves that I'm less focused in the practice itself. But when I just close my eyes and just sort of try to try to evolve with her as she's progressing through each of the stages and holding the poses, which I really struggled with the most when I first began, that it's almost like it's almost like you go into a different time and space when you can actually hold that pose and practice on your breath simultaneously. And even though I'm doing it for only doing this for 30 minutes in a morning during those 30 minutes, it almost becomes, and I know this sounds crazy. and Well, not to you, but to, when I try (laughs) to, when, yeah, when I try to explain this to my, to my friends, why I do yoga. And the only thing I can describe it is is a sort of a transcendental experience for me when I'm really involved in the in the in the moment. And I almost kind of detach like you're stepping outside of yourself for a few minutes of the day and then you're just kind of going through the flow of things. And so I think that's what you were just describing. But one of the things I struggle with the most is kind of being able to stay in that space because my mind starts wandering and I'm like start thinking about my meetings that I have that day and I've got to take my kids to this or whatever it is. Do you have any tips around that for people like myself who are not necessarily a yogi, but really wanna enjoy the practice?
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think that we shouldn't judge what the mind does. We have 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. So first of all, like let's not get attached to any of them. Secondly, we then become the witness to what our mind is doing. And a lot of people, during their practice, they have a lot of negative self-talk. They're like, my hamstrings are tight, my, <laughs> my hips are tight, this pose is hard, You know, I need another coffee, whatever it is, you get to watch it. She's been watching you. <laughs> I, I feel like you've been stalking us. <laughs> I Sometimes I, I turn around and he's gone. And he's my, just... third, my third eye is stalking you. Um, <laughs> But, you know, when we teach at Yoga Fit, uh, our format at models the traditional uh, group exercise uh, model of warm-up working, cool-down. So during the warm-up phase, and I always, when I teach, I like to turn the lights way down. I don't like to use mirrors. And the first 20 minutes or so of our practice It's typically very flowing, very fluid, one breath, one movement. And what happens to the brain at that point is it gets into a state of entrainment, which is basically hypnosis. So when you're matching one breath, one movement, you get into a hypnotic state, Mm -hmm. and and then in that hypnotic state is a great time to infuse yourself with some positive affirmations. uh, To our, our, our mantra at Yoga Fit is let go of judgment, expectation, competition. Listen to your body, go at your own pace, breathe, feel, and most importantly, stay present in the moment. So, I, I, the, the flip side of what you were sharing about the mental challenges can actually then become an asset because if you're just focusing sheerly on how am I doing in this pose? Am I expanding in it? You know, what's going on? How can I use my muscles better together to achieve the pose? That actually becomes a one-pointed focus, and then you be, you get into that flow state, which is the state that we're all looking for in life. Because the more we can stay in that state of flow and engagement and presence, that's when the magic starts to happen.
0: I love that, Liz. You were just talking about flow state. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we
1: we love we love doing yoga together. Sometimes we do it virtually. He's in one location. I'm here. Right. Um, but, what you're saying is exactly exactly bang on. Like I think sometimes we start out and we'll we'll pull one up virtually to do, and you're like, "I don't know if I have forty five minutes in me right now, <laughs> and it's it messes with you until you get to that point. and we may we may break down laughing quite a bit through it, and I That's find that awesome. <laughs> I find that there's like I was never sporty spice unlike him but it's it's one thing that we can go to individually and i'm i'm tight in my body i'm i'm never going to be a yogi i'm never but again there's there's no judgment exactly and, and and you always leave feeling better yeah and you've you've unplugged from other things and again yeah there there may be some mocking but in in the real like if we were in a studio there was never any 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 judgment or. Maybe a little bit envy when you see certain people doing certain things. You're like, I will never attain that, but that's okay. I'm fine with that.
2: Exactly. It's a a very individual practice and process. And it was interesting during the first three months of the pandemic, I was pretty much locked in my apartment in Brooklyn, New York. And I I suffer from a mood disorder. I've suffered from depression and, and really intense PMS my entire life. So I was, I was very challenged. I was fortunately teaching online for the yoga fit network and some other business groups about five days a week. There was no gym, you know, I was walking my dog a lot. And, um, but I found that. Of all the activities that I was doing during that time, even just 25 or 30 minutes of yoga taught online, like there was a huge transformation for me during that period of time. So. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of yoga, but it, it really makes a difference. And you don't even need 45 minutes, you can go to a headstand for 10 minutes, and probably about six minutes, in, you're, you're going to start to feel that calm, that buzz state, that that transformation start to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think one of the biggest benefits I find from it is, is what you just touched on a second ago, I, I play, I still play soccer. So I, I go to the gym, and I work out and, and And while I find the benefits of those, I sort of go into that flow state you talked about a second ago, especially when I'm playing soccer. But one of the things I think I love most about yoga, and it it goes against sort of the Eastern ideologies around it, but I like the fact that I get to be physical and mental simultaneously. I like the fact that I'm moving in an aerobic capacity and I'm forced to sort of work on poses and stretch myself to a limit that I wasn't able to do both mentally and physically. Do you think that, that the way Westerners have have sort of met, it's there's a there's a there's a metamorphosis of going on and, and how we've sort of blended the athletic with the mental. Do you think that that's going to be sort of a new stage for yoga, and that's going to be the new evolution of it, or do you think there's always going to be a place for both the way Easterners practice yoga and the original ideologies around it and what we do?
2: Well, I think the more we can find hybrids and blends, like you just mentioned, then the more accessible it becomes. Uh, for other people, there are many different sports personalities who, who swear by yoga as the, their game changer. Many mm-hmm. people who play golf or football. So, the more we can bring yoga into whatever else people are doing, uh, it's just good for the planet, really.
1: I love that it's so broad that there's something for everyone, because there, even for us, we'll, we'll start something the one day and we're like, you know, I'm not like today, I really feel like this is what my body wants to do, or this is what my mind wants to do. And we can always find something that's um appealing and satisfying to us because you know we want quick quick remedies to things and i think it's funny because if someone heard us was outside the doors we're doing yoga they would be like what the heck are they doing in there because there's so many sounds that come out of us sometimes you're just like oh i feel good <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably not a good thing but um i'm interested going back to when you were saying that you had this experience this evolution epiphany the the experience that spoke to you as to what your direction needed to be and where you needed to go what what happened when you brought that like the people that were surrounding you at that time that did you was it a drastic change in your life was it a a, a difference in the, your 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 group of people that you are, were associating with, was there kind of like, are you joining a cult? Like what, what, what happened to you? What's going on? And that, like, did you have the support you needed or how did, how did you make that shift?
2: Well, I think uh, during my early twenties, when I started a, a more formal practice, like my friends became the people that I was going to yoga with. My priority became yoga. I remember there was, I, I had had a very long term boyfriend, and, and then we broke up. And no matter who I had a date with, like I would bring them to yoga, or they would be waiting for me in the gym after I did yoga. So yoga was, yoga became my priority during those years, which was awesome. I didn't have a television probably for seven years. So I, I was fortunate in that I think fairly early in life, I was able to immerse myself in study and it, be, it became my primary focus. You know, clearly it's led to, to having a business now for almost 24 years. Um, and I, I find that actually the older I get, the more, the more I only really want to be around people who are on some type of a spiritual path. Like last night I had a party. I had about 10 people over to my house and it was eight, eight. It was the, you know, the powerful moon portal. Mm -hmm. And in between a lot of drinking of wine and eating tacos and dancing and karaoke, we were also doing, uh, putting our intentions into a bowl, we were pulling universe cards, we were burning sage and Palo Santo, and then we, we burnt all of our intentions and said a prayer under the moon. So it definitely changes, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure for some people who came over to my house, they're like, huh, okay, this is a different type of a party. But I bring that with me wherever I go, whether I'm in school for an executive education program and I'm teaching yoga at 6am to who's ever gonna show up, to if I go on a business retreat and I'm teaching yoga, like I, I'm very happy to, to try to bring this to as many people as possible. And a lot of people resonate with it very well. And then I typically, I'm not spending that much time with, with people who it doesn't resonate with.
0: I absolutely love that. I would that have loved it. sounds like the a-
2: perfect party.
1: <laughs> we're, we're, we're both feeling envy right now. We're
2: like,
0: like right, why weren't we invited?
2: We, <laughs> next time, well, we have to keep in touch and next time you'll come for a party.
0: I would love to attend something like that. I, I did a, um, a a drum ceremony a couple of years ago. I was invited to the, the place where I was doing yoga. They did a drum ceremony at one of those. It wasn't 8-8, but it was one of the new moon celebrations. And there was, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 people and they had painted their faces and some people were dressed in like basically just loincloths and bouncing around in the, in the middle that of, it, it was intense. And it was in the middle of downtown Charlotte and people, yeah. and so because it was in a parking lot, people who were not part of the group were walking by and you could see all these people just sort of gathering. Like, what the fuck is going on in there? It was really cool. So, um, anyway, I can only people appreciate usually that.
2: look at you like that though. So that's nothing different.
0: This is <laughs> true. Tis true. I'm Tis sure true.
2: people were looking with a mixture of curiosity and envy.
0: Absolutely. And because generally speaking, most people that are in your space that are, you know, more open-minded, They were inviting the streetwalkers in. So that's what I love most about what everything you just said is most people. And I love that you said you're only typically surrounding yourself with like minded people like that, because who has the time and energy for anything else? Right. Like we want to fill our space and our time with people who make us better. I was having this conversation with my kid last night. I'm like, make sure the friends that you make are people who make you a better version of, of yourself and not drag you down into the muck of of trouble that, that, that this particular kid is getting into. So
2: exactly. And you know, the more you're practicing yoga and meditation, all of that, I think the more adept we get at reading energy. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it much easier for us to choose who we want to surround ourselves with because you can read, People's energetic pattern, you know who you're gonna, who you're really vibing with on an energetic level, uh, which is huge.
0: I'm, I'm reading liked, I'm sorry, go ahead, Lee.
2: I just want to say I really liked your
1: your dating strategy, that little test that you bring them to <laughs> yoga and see are they gonna wait for you? Or are they gonna participate? And are they gonna are they join in? Is there gonna be, oh, so be pushback? Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs>
0: I'm reading a very odd book right now. It's called Raw: The Law of One. I'm um, if you're familiar with it or not, but no, apparently but it
2: sounds interesting.
0: It, it's a fan. It, there's I think there's 14 books, and they took place starting in 1980. A group of uh, mystics who gathered together to learn to communicate with
2: interdimensional
0: interdimensional beings. So and so the book is a transcript of all of the recorded sessions. It's called Raw. R A The law of one. And I think there's 14 different versions. I'm in book one right now. And for lack of a better, for lack of a better understanding, and this is straight from the book, from the interdimensional beings who are operating on a sixth dimension. We're going weird here for seconds. So just humor me. No,
2: believe me. I, I'm, I love having these conversations. I've been having a lot of conversations with people lately about going from the third dimension to the fifth dimension, which I kind of think I don't even 100% understand it, but I feel like I'm living in the fifth dimension most of the time.
0: All right, well, then you'll love this book because they talk about how we move from dimension to dimension. We're currently as a species on this planet in a third dimension, and we're uh, we're entering into what they call a harvest, which is from third to the next. So these are six dimensional entities that... Um, Yeah, that are here to as guides for us third dimensionals to learn how to harvest into the next dimensions above us. And anyway, in the conversation, it's the group of humans here in third dimension mystics who are having a conversation with uh, an entity called Ra. And Ra is is not one, as they say it. They're a group of highly evolved entities, interdimensional entities that have evolved past up into the sixth. And so their collective consciousness is what they are. And anyway, so they're talking about, you said something a few seconds ago about how, about how we as humans are sort of, we operate in this more energetic world. You love being around people. And the more yoga you do, the more, the more you're able to sort of operate in that, into that stratosphere, that realm. And In this book, they were talking about how thousands and thousands of years ago, and we're talking like 75,000 years ago to be specific, humans operated in that plane of energy and one and a cycle of collective consciousness. And then as the world started to evolve and and grow and became industrialized and all the different things, and we found fire and all those sort of things, that we started stepping away from the, the law of one and we became an individualized species. Do you think... And this is my long question, sorry. Do you think that given everything that's going on right now, that that is none of that is accidental? All of this is purposeful because that's the way the universe works and everything else. And, and this, this pain and nonsense that's going on around the planet right now has to happen in order for us to evolve back to what we once were. I
2: mean, I could only hope that that's the reality. And I uh, tend to live in the land of hope. Uh, otherwise, I couldn't do what I do. So, um, I I I would only wish that that is the end result. And I can see how if if people choose to wake up, and I believe it is a choice most times, if they choose to wake up, if they recognize that they really have to, I, we can really make some very very positive shifts on this planet. But. It's, it's gonna take people being together in groups uh, and it's going to take uh, a lot of very intentional leaders and people stepping up and um, also speaking the truth and speaking their truth. And if, if more people were to really open up their third eye and you know, there's a lot of suppression of free thought now, obviously free speech, uh, they're putting fluoride in the water. So it, it also takes a lot to remain conscious because you you have to make certain choices. But I think the, the future of humanity depends on it.
0: You mentioned fluoride in the water. That's interesting because Lisa and I have just been changing out for the last couple of years. We've been changing out all of our sources of water, installing new filters, et cetera. I recently came across an article from somebody I follow on Instagram that for the last 50 or some years, they've been putting fluoride intentional doses of fluoride into some of the pharmaceuticals that we take for depression. Yes. Uh,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, if you, you, I've done that research too in uh, Prozac. Yeah. Xanax. Yeah. And some other uh, pills have fluoride in them. And so there's there's a big dumbing down of, of society in general. And, you know, pre pandemic, I think we were really seeing people gathering for for moon festivals and Burning Man and and uh, worship in, in so many different ways to ascend spiritually. And Unfortunately, with all the social distancing and stay at home, it, it, you know, that could take people off track and take them down the path of addiction and, and alcoholism and uh, suicide and depression and everything else. So it's, again, it's more important than ever that people try to gather in groups and uh, get elevation and elevate each other.
0: It reminds me of the witch trials of the 16th century in some ways, some of the stuff that's going on. Exactly. This took a dark spin, so let's keep it positive.
2: (laughs) We don't want to get banned, okay? I can get dark and deep quickly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I love taking conversations like that. So you you and I would get in some trouble. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm
1: trying to keep everybody's social media up. Okay. We don't want our feet taken down. Okay. That's what I'm here for.
0: But, but all joking aside, not, we'll keep it up positive, but just, you know, in that reference, the Wiz trials, you know, it turned out that all that was just nonsense to begin with, right? It was just a bunch of men who gathered, who were looking for a scapegoat for something. And unfortunately, most of the women in most of the communities at that time were burned because of it. So do you think that there is a battle going on between light and dark right now in terms I de- of this? I,
2: I definitely do think there's a battle going on between light and dark. And like I said, you know, I, I have to believe that the light will prevail and truth will prevail. And the, you know, the funny thing about truth is, and, and we can see this in, in our relationships and life in general, truth always has a way of coming out. It's um, it's like uh, the weeds that grow up through the sidewalk. You can't, you can't, su- you can't really suppress it for too long. You can cut them back, but they're going to grow back again. So, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I just my advice to people these days is try to keep your third eye open.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. a, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but there's a scripture in the Bible that the dead bodies always rise to the surface, and so yeah. speaking of the truth, you know, it, yeah. it is true. It always does somehow find its way out, doesn't it?
2: let's just hope it's sooner than later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, it's interesting to me, all the work that you've done from the age of six, basically up when you consider, you know, the lives that you've touched, the instructors, the classes, all the things that thousands of people and how that's trickled into thousands and thousands more, that's, that's quite a life's work. And when you said that your life work was basically to heal the planet, make the, the planet a better place, you've, you've being instrumental in moving forward with
0: that. So thank you for that.
2: Thanks, I, I would only really like to do more of it on a, on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm.
0: Lisa and I, we invite people onto the podcast and, and we're coming up to the end of our time because otherwise we could sit here and talk for hours, I'm sure one of the reasons that we invited you onto the podcast was for what Lisa just said is sort of your, your gift is to inspire and, and bring light and truth and love to the world. And those are the type of people that I want to try to surround myself That Lisa wants to surround herself with. If you, if you could impart one message to the world, to the universe, and these six dimensional beings suddenly appeared at your doorstep and said, Hey, it's time for you to evolve and come with us. And so you had to leave. What would your message be to the planet?
2: Um, My message would be to the planet really that everyone has to take their own physical and mental health into their own hands um, to, you know, not get caught in Maya, which in Sanskrit means illusion. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of illusion. And if we can develop practices that help us see the truth, both in ourselves and the world and others, uh, and just practice again, that non-judgment, uh, acceptance, uh, staying present in the moment and letting go of, uh, false beliefs and resentments. I think we'd all be in a very, uh, a much better place.
1: Agreed. Spread the word.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I have one final question for you, if I may, at least before we drop. So one of the things that I struggle with the most, and I posted this on my Instagram in a video earlier this week is is trying to understand my role through this pandemic and, and the truths that I understand to be truths. Is it my role to share those truths with everyone else? Or is it my job to just stay in my lane, if you will, and focus on the things that are, that are only pertaining to me? And, and where I struggle is that sort of seems selfish to me. If if I see a truth, I've always been sort of one that calls that out. If I see if I see something that doesn't fit and seems evil or malicious, I generally call that out. But at the same time, I don't want to be perceived as someone who's just always trying to stir the pot and cause cause acrimony. I, I struggle with my role. What would you say? What would you say? A, one's role should be through all of this right now.
2: You know, that's that's a very interesting question because I struggle a lot with that myself um, because I, I run a school, I run a business. I feel like there's a lot of things that I don't say that I wish that I could say. Um, you know, and obviously we all, I think we all have fears these days about flagging ourselves and mm-hmm. getting locked off of social media. And um, so it's, it's a tightrope to walk. I think that if we can bring positive things to people and make them think then, then that really is not just our role but it is our responsibility and I think that it can be done in a way that doesn't uh, you know not that we care about offending other people but I mean I do that we are not offending people but we're just trying to bring as much light and help and healing to people as possible and if it's coached in a positive way I think the truth should be shared. Mm-hmm. Thank that's, you. That's
0: that. the
1: perfect intention behind it.
0: Yeah, Lisa and I have this conversation on a regular basis. Okay, hey Beth, I've really enjoyed my time with you. Thank you for the conversation. Thank if you you're... so
2: much. You guys are awesome. I hope to, we get to hang out live and in person one day.
0: We're we'll coming to that. your
1: party. We're coming yeah. to
2: your party. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come to Charleston. Our <laughs> vice president of Yoga Fit lives there, actually.
0: Oh, wow. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, Lisa's only two hours from Charleston. And so that's great.
2: Okay, good. What part of Florida are you? I'm in Fort Lauderdale.
0: So isn't that where Stephanie Cartina is, Lisa? Is that correct?
1: No, she's in um, West Palm
0: Beach. Oh, West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in Daytona next week. So um, not for a race, but for doing some work. Okay. Anyhow. Yeah, not a NASCAR, not not a NASCAR guy in terms of (laughs) racing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, all right, Beth, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you,
2: Namaste, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.